Zakaria, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Give me your top five tricks in under five minutes, and these can be in no particular order. So let's arbitrarily start with number five. Okay, uh, number five, I got to tell you, Eric, uh, the Mini Cube by Pro Mystic. Uh, it looks like a little uh, mini Rubik's cube that you might hang on your on your keychain, mm-hmm. and it's so it's a each of the six colors, and you're uh, intuiting which color the spectator is hiding under his or her hand. And I do it as much more than merely I'm guessing your color. Because at best, that's a one in six. It's a personality test the way I do it. And each time we do it, it gets funnier and funnier. It's, man, the pro-mystic stuff is so good. And I I mean, like, you know, you you get really, really great uh, uh, products because, I mean, it's, I mean, they're the Cadillac of electronic things. And I know the great part is Penguin has been working with ProMystic, and so you can actually get the ProMystic stuff on Penguin's site if you're listening to this. It is, if you're looking for, like, stuff that is real magic, uh, and the ProMystic Cube is, is so great. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a great start to this list. Let's move on to number four. Sure. Well, I, I have to take a personal pride in this one. This is my crash and burn story deck. Uh, I just find that it it takes the story deck to a new level because it involves a signed spectator's card that repeatedly comes up in the story, has applause cues in it, ends with the spectator getting the applause, and if you want, you can leave the deck with the spectator at the end. It's so great. It's a really unique story deck, if the listeners are unfamiliar with it, as you apparently shuffle a deck and turn cards face up, you're using those cards to tell the story, so it's essentially like a multiple selection routine with 52 revelations. Uh, and Marks is particularly good. You teach it in your Penguin Life lecture. Uh, I do, I out. do, and um, it's it's just one of the. It's a showstopper because yep. people are just going to go, wait, what? Yeah, and the fact that you, the signed card keeps coming back over and over again in your story deck is really unusual for story decks and makes it really excellent. Well, that's great. Let's move on to number three. Number three is a source of pride for me because it took me two and a half years to get this up to ramming speed. Guy Hollingworth's. The Reformation. A piece-by-piece, torn-and-restored transformation. I don't know anyone who does it. I am so excited to hear that you do You do do now. And I got to tell you, ever since seeing Copperfield do his version, which I understand was a very gimmicked version on Mm -hmm. TV, and then learning that uh, Hollingworth had a a very clean, away-from-the-body, and that you could hand the card out at the end, uh, I, I do that in my uh, remarkable stand-up show. Yeah. And it is, there, there is no explanation for it. It is, it's a remarkable piece of magic. It's actually, if you're interested in learning Guy Hollingsworth version, uh, it's in his book, Drawing Room Deceptions, uh, which I'll put a link to in the description down below. But it's And by the way, so read good. the introduction in, yep. that, in that book. Don't, don't skip the introduction. The introduction of that book is wonderful. All right, let's move on to number, we're, we're just motoring through these. Let me hear number two. 
Danny Diortiz's any card at any number. Of course, he has 227 variations. <laughs> yeah, by the you're going to. All right, I'm going to need you to get specific here because this is the top five under five, not the top 110,000 under five. <laughs> so uh, the first one I was introduced to was a single deck, no gaff, no memorization version of the any card at any yeah. number. It plays clean. I mean, just imagine the impact, how you're able to draw people from two different parts of the table uh, involved, and, and everybody wants to know, you know, there's that suspense that builds up, and then boom, you yeah. nail it. It's it's just a hands up, I'm done. Thank you very much for playing. He's Perfect. so good at that. He's got a year-long project right now of any card at any numbers, and just each one that he comes out with is better than the last, and they're just it's Absolutely. such clever thinking. Well, Mark, that brings us to number one. Give me your top trick. Uh, the, the the piece that I do almost every every stand-up show is, I guess, my version of Richard Sanders' version of Three Ropes and a Baby. The, the, the Professor's Nightmare oh. with all the iterations. I mean, I've been a student of this for 25, 26 years. And there's just so much. It's it's modular, mm-hmm. uh, but when it plays out, it gets everybody in the room involved. It's just, and, and again, ungaffed. I love seeing different people take on the, the professor's nightmare in new and interesting ways. Because it's sort of one of those tricks that a lot of us, you know, are sort of, introduced to early on where you have you know a short rope a medium rope and a long rope and they all become the same size and then they all change back and it's it's really one of those where you sort of go oh that's old hat i'm I'm not interested in it and then if you revisit it when you've got a lot more magical knowledge you can do some really cool stuff with it if you put your mind to it without question without question it's it's just one of my my signature pieces well mark thanks so much for for sharing these with us those are five amazing tricks uh thanks so much for joining us and uh we'll have to have you back on the show soon I look forward to it. Thanks to Mark for his top five. Mark filmed an amazing Penguin Live lecture that's going to be coming out later this year, and you won't want to miss it. On to the main event. Keen viewers of the Penguin Live lectures will recognize my guest this week from the Juan Pablo lecture, where he served as a translator. When the world started to fall apart for most people, he got creative, and he took the magic community by storm with a series of virtual effects. Adrian's ability to create a powerful piece of magic that worked through a virtual medium was something we all needed. But what set his effects apart was that the audience got a true sense of wonder, even when they watched them through a screen. His effects have gone on to be performed by Penn & Teller, he's consulted for David Blaine, and as of this recording, he's been traveling the world sharing his magic, and making a name for himself in a huge way. Hosting his lecture was the highlight of my year, and being able to visit with him again was truly special. And now you get to join our conversation. Adrian LaCroix, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. It's really great to have you in the studio again, because we had you here. uh, A lot of the people who are familiar with the Penguin Lectures will recognize you as the dude who was doing the translations for Juan Pablo during his lecture. And you did such a wonderful job, and then you went off and you became mega famous with uh, with a virtual triumph that we had to have you back for your own stuff. And, and I know we really enjoyed hanging out with you when you were here last time. Well, thank you so much. I, I'm really happy to be here again. Oh man, it's uh, it was it was a pleasure hanging out with you last time. But one of the things that we're here to talk about today is virtual magic because you sort of cracked the code very early on when lockdown happened with virtual triumph, and then. Uh, the virtual out of this world and all of the others. And I'm wondering, for other people who are trying to design virtual tricks, what what do you think is really important in that? Okay, it's, it's a really good question, and I don't think it has to do with the virtual uh, environment mm-hmm. necessary. The thing I think made those tricks good mm-hmm. is the fact that I wasn't 
uh, thinking about the trick itself, but about the experience that the spectator will have. Mm-hmm. We we talked about that in the in the live uh, yeah, lecture. Yeah, in the we lecture did. we just did. But I will mention it again. I was trying to focus of bringing the same experience that a spectator will have on an in-person show, mm-hmm. but on a on a Zoom show. Mm-hmm. So I start thinking how. Uh, could I achieve the, the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then I started trying to figure out how you can design some things to make them feel th- that way. And that's how the the triumph was born. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I don't want to give away the method of the triumph on this podcast because it's too good. You people either need to buy the lecture or buy the trick. Um, but there's one element of it that is a dual reality that I thought was very interesting. Um, and you use gimmicks in this. Yes. But, but, I'm wondering how you made that decision. Uh, f- f- we can forget about the gimmicks. Mm-hmm. What, what, what matters is the concept of the dual reality, of making the spectator think that they are in the same situation that you are, right? Yes, and I think that's what I find so fascinating. It, well, Please elaborate on but that. But th- that's because before the Zoom magic... Mm-hmm. We have magic that you can perform at distance over a phone call or over a, or over the radio, right? Mm-hmm. And well, Banachek, Tamaris, Max Maven, all those guys, Shimstein Mayer re- released mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that was meant to be performed at distance, right? And most of those tricks or those effects, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. uh, rely uh, mostly on mathematical procedures mm-hmm. or verbal magic, which most of the time, verbal magic relies also in mathematical procedures, right? I, I was fortunate enough to film a lot of virtual magic tricks with Dan Harlan, and uh, and it was, you know, Dan loves going through math, especially binary math, and it was, I had read verbal magic, but I hadn't, I hadn't really cued to the fact that it is very, very mathematically based stuff. Yes, but the the main thing, it's not a big discovery, but, but, it's, but it's what, what it is, is that now, over Zoom, you add something else to the distance that to the magic that you can perform before you are you were only hearing the spectator but now you can see him and he can see you mm-hmm. at the same time so why don't we uh, use that in our advantage right mm-hmm. so that's what i thought maybe i can make the spectator believe that he's in a position that he's not mm-hmm. right with this dual reality principle mm-hmm. and then i apply that to the triumph and well it gets the the reaction that it mm. gets now because of, of that principle and then i start thinking how i how can i apply this same same concept to different ki- types of, of tricks and i apply it to the out of this world which is my favorite uh, card trick yeah and for the first time i think in history mm-hmm. you can perform the out of this world without having even a deck of cards because the spectator does everything from the beginning and they shuffle they mm-hmm. they deal the cards and they get separate mm-hmm. in red and blacks and after that i was trying to push the envelope and and i came with this rising card idea to make a card rise in the spectator house right mm-hmm. so many many things can be achieved and we are just scratching the surface of, of this. Um, but all of those things just appeared because I was trying, as I said, to, to recreate the same feeling from the spectator that mm. if they were watching a, a live show. And I find something else interesting, which is the concept of removing the magician physically from 
the place where the magic is happening. Mm-hmm. So, my friend Nico Pierri, and you may know him because he yeah. did also a, a Penguin lecture. Yep. Once, when I was just uh, starting with these tricks, asked me if I could perform those for his family. Mm-hmm. And Nico's family are used to, to seek out tricks. <laughs> Nico was, is a machine. I imagine that, that <laughs> so his family has seen a couple of they tricks. They have seen a lot of tricks, especially with cards, because yeah. he he does that, right? And I'm not a, a card magician, so I perform it for them o- over Zoom. They gather in the living room and mm-hmm. they put me on the on the TV screen. And when I finish, I, I don't remember if it was her sister or, or, or who that uh, she said, but this is, we never seen something like this. Mm-hmm. And they are used to, to watch really good card magic because mm-hmm. Nico is, is one of the best card, yeah. card magicians from Argentina. And then I, what she was trying to say is like they never thought that this these things could happen mm-hmm. if there is no magician there, right? Oh, so well, it was this it was this idea that they were experiencing magic, but you weren't in the room. Oh. That was very transformative for them. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by David Regal's Sudden Deck Three. Nick Lacapo joined me in the studio to discuss the best way to introduce a deck of cards. Nick. Let me pose a thought experiment to you. Mm. You walk on stage, you're about to do a card trick, but you haven't introduced the cards yet. How do you tell the audience that you're going to do a card trick in a very magical way? <laughs> I'm trying to think of like any joke right now, but I don't have it. Anyway, <laughs> if I was going to do it in a magical way, well, I mean, man, are we going to do a top 10 video on this at some point? We should. Yeah. Because I know it's going to be at the top. It's going to be this, and it's going to be... Sudden Deck 3 by David Regal, where you bring out a blank card box. And it's not even folded together. It's like yeah. this like piece of... You know, your audience doesn't even know what it is. It's just like this blank, unfolded card box. And then you, you, you can ask them, do you know what this is? And of course, they don't. Uh, you say, this is what a card box looks like before it's been printed. And you just kind of like shake it just, just a tiny bit, and it completely prints. Full color. Yeah. Just like... Huge, startle, startling thing. I mean, it looks great on stage or in close-up. And then you show it on both sides. You fold up the box, snap your fingers, and then you pull a deck out of it, a, a full deck of cards. You produce a deck of cards from an unfolded blank card box. Just miracle, easy to do. Anybody can do this trick. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really cool thing to see i mean you know they see both sides before it prints and it's like completely empty yeah it's uh it's wild i mean i've used it to open shows i know you've used it to open shows Mm -hmm. john armstrong's used it to open shows david regal has definitely used it to open shows because david regal created the trick Mm -hmm. and this is like you know one of the better versions of it and not one of the better it is the better yeah and this it's he's you know it's three because it's a third version and he keeps making small refinements that actively make it better yeah people always ask what's the difference between three two and one I, and really the the differences are, are just construction mm-hmm. uh the, the the trick isn't always largely stayed the same uh so like if you have two and you like it you don't have to worry about getting mm-hmm. getting three but you know uh there's no reason to buy two or one <laughs> in fact it might even be hard for you to find them yeah. at this point but um and to go back to what you said at the very beginning about going out on stage there's just if, if you've never quite thought about it before there's this idea that if you're going to do a card trick uh, especially on stage you might as well make a moment out of bringing the deck of cards out um, whether you do that with sleight of hand or some other magical device, 
it would be an interesting top 10, the top 10 deck productions, yeah. um, which you can watch on our YouTube. Anyway, <laughs> and Sudden Deck is probably the easiest way to do this. Yeah. And it's the most visual and it's just the most bulletproof and you don't have to worry about anything going wrong. It's just like, it's a 10 out of a 10 yeah. for a deck production. Sudden, uh, Sudden Deck 3 by David Regal. You should check it out. That was Sudden Deck 3, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the intrepid listeners to our show get 25% off the featured product of the week when they enter the podcast-exclusive discount code. This week, that code is PRINT. That's PRINT, P-R-I-N-T. Just enter that code at checkout, and you'll receive 25% off Sudden Deck 3. That code is only good for Sudden Deck 3, and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Adrian LaCroix. Oh, so it was this it was this idea that they were experiencing magic, but you weren't in the room, oh. that was very transformative for them. Of course, it's like, this is like nothing that we ever seen, and it's like, of course, because they, they seen the magician do the trick, and even if it fooled them, they know that Nico does, does something or, or the performer does something, of mm-hmm. course, to, to make that, that trick work. Yeah. But now, even if they know that I sh- must do something, they cannot understand what is going on because they did the whole procedure mm-hmm. and the, the tricks fooled them, right? So if you remove the magician physically from the place where the magic is happening, you have something unique and new. Mm-hmm. And people don't believe that those things are possible. So the best thing that uh, happened on over a Zoom show is that they have low expectations of what can be achieved. People want to be entertained and they are bored because of the lockdown and all mm-hmm. those things that are happening in, in the world, right? So they are up to see anything and mm-hmm. have a good time and get distracted. But I think or I believe that most of the time they have low expectation of, of what a magic show can be over soon, but they will mm-hmm. think that they will have a, a good time anyway and they will uh, enjoy it. But when you really surprise them at their homes, they don't see that coming. And I think that is uh, where the power of the virtual magic relies. Do you think that maybe some of that, like that lowering expectation is why it seems like lay people are much more willing to go along with a procedural trick in a in a Zoom show because well, it seems like a lot of virtual tricks live in that procedural world. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yes, because you need to find a balance as in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, now on my show, I, I only do one uh, effect that has a lot of procedures, which is the triumph. Mm-hmm. And the rest... Don't don't have those those kinds of procedures, and if they want me to do one more thing, maybe I will do the out of this world as, as a bonus mm-hmm. that has more procedures. But it's fine because by then they they are sh- just asking me to, to yeah. do something else. But the trick is uh, the, the trick. Not the show is really dynamic, mm-hmm. and we only have this one moment of procedures that goes by because. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly changing the things that happen uh, through the show, so they they don't expect what is coming. Are you are you always on the lookout though for virtual tricks that are not procedural? Because the rising card is one that strikes me as like not procedural at yes, all. Yes, that is just direct as, yeah. as you can get. Uh, yes, I, I try to, as, as I said, I try to, to mm-hmm. combine those things and, and find things that are procedural and, and things that lack the, mm-hmm. the procedure, and. Another thing that I realized that one of the pioneers of, of this mm-hmm. was David Copperfield of, of this concept. Uh, a pioneer of virtual magic? No. Or a pioneer of performing through a screen at people? 
b- both things. Mm-hmm. He he, but not virtual magic, but uh, performing through the screen, right? Mm-hmm. But not only that. On his live show, mm-hmm. I think it was on the U tour. Mm-hmm. He has this trick where he makes a spectator showing him on stage, right? But he starts looking to the side of, of the stage and the spectator does the same. So Copperfield tells the spectator, you know, this is called misdirection. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can do something that will cut your attention and you will follow me and you are going to get distracted by me. Mm-hmm. So I will leave you alone in the stage and you're going to do the procedure. So he he walks away from the theater and then you have a screen. Uh-huh. With his face, and the screen starts interacting with the with the spectator. So, oh, so he's he's the pioneer of removing the magician removing from the area the where the magic happens. Yes. Yeah. So, just, just so people can understand what what was going on. Copperfield appeared on on a on a recorded tape mm-hmm. on the screen, mm-hmm. and gives instructions to the spectator to to search a, to to search a box, not search. Um, Oh, to like open a box? Yes, to open yeah. a box and, and see inside that there is nothing oh, inside. To, to examine the to box. To examine, yes, yes, that was the word. I, I'm sorry about it. To, to examine the box, right? And by the end, when they close the box again and suddenly it's open, Copperfield appeared from inside the box, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it has this, this twist on, on the on, at the end. But the concept of removing the, the magician from, from the place where magic happens, mm-hmm. I've seen, I seen it there before. So I, I wanted to bring something up, which is um, you are frequently talked about in the context of someone who sort of pioneered virtual magic, but that's not where you came from. Your show was mentalism for a long time. Your, yes. your theater show was mentalism. Yes. When you so obviously you started messing around with the virtual tricks because you know the world fell apart and we went into lockdown. But obviously this is an area that you have much passion for. Um, but uh, how did you? Was there a period of time where you sort of had to like relearn different magic principles or like look at new ways of of creating tricks for the virtual space or um, or was it was it easy to fall back into this because you're associated now with these virtual card tricks but you're not associated with but you were not associated with card tricks before when you were a mentalist does that does my yes. question make sense to yes, you? Yes, makes sense because I'm not a card. A card uh, You're magician. not a card guy, and yes. it's not. Uh, that's not an insult or or anything. It's just it's just the way it was. But no, now you're known for creating these really cool card tricks to the be. The thing in is, the I space. have a background in card magic because I performed uh, in in close up many mm-hmm. years. I, I used to do table hoppings at a restaurant, mm-hmm. and I, I like I love magic with cards. Yeah, but. On on my show, then I start perform mentalism on mm-hmm. my stage show. And just reduce the amount of cards to only one or, or two effects mm-hmm. during the whole show, right? But when the something happened, mm-hmm. I realized that the cards are a great tool to mm-hmm. to make magic with the spectators at distance because they allow you to do many many things, mm-hmm. and that's why I I use them again. I'm I'm not against the cards. Yeah, uh, I I love them. But I think there is a right tool for the right uh, moment, mm-hmm. right? So, or for the right need, and the cards were my my best tool for the for the virtual magic. Especially because with a lot of these tricks, there's things that are happening in the spectator's hands, and it's very easy for them to go get a deck of cards in the house because they probably they, they have all them. have them, and and, and 
they are related to to play and and, and mm -hmm. games so so it's easy for them for for example the triumph mm -hmm. i i just uh, covered some some procedures as a poker a poker uh, yeah. thing right so i think it's it's something easy to to do mm -hmm. they can follow easily the the instructions and you can have great reactions Well, Adrian, thanks so much for joining us here back at Penguin Magic. We we know this won't be the last time we're working with you because I know we're working on some other projects with you that are a lot of fun, but everyone should check out your lecture when it comes out because it's a really, really wonderful lecture with some very cool magic in it. Well, thank you so much. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Adrian for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. If you haven't checked out his virtual triumph yet, you really should. It's a masterclass in modernizing magic to the world we live in today. Also, just a quick note to all of you who came up to me at Magi Fest last week. Thank you so much for your kind words. It really does mean a lot to me to find out that you enjoy the show and that I'm making a positive impact in your life. So here at Penguin, we're always working and filming and making stuff for you guys to enjoy. And, you know, it's the wonderful feedback from you in person makes every bit of how hard we work worth it. It's really great. And uh, just a very special thank you to whoever timed your glowing words to me about this show and the stuff that I'm doing for Penguin. You said that right when I was in the middle of a conversation with my boss. And, and you said all of the nice things from me. And you know what? Saying that in front of the people who signed my paycheck... That's just aces in my book. A special preview to those of you who are in attendance uh, to Magic Fest, there was an amazing story about catching pirates, and I am currently working with some people that you know about to bring that story to you so that everyone can hear it. It's an important story that you are not going to want to miss. I'll keep you updated on when we air that. More on that later. Next week on the show, I speak to a gentleman who has collected and cataloged the amazing magic of Tony and Verdi, one of the original electronic wizards, and it's going to be a real history for everyone involved. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to hit that like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episode on the social media platform that you can't remember your password to. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything in this week's show, just drop by the Rio All Suites Hotel and Casino because I'm in Vegas, baby. I had breakfast at a Guy Fieri restaurant this morning because time means nothing here. But if you're not on a work trip filming a new projects in Las Vegas the day after being at a big magic convention, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. -I -I From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. Practice, practice, perform.